630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. The hockey story slowly unfolding. And the province of British Columbia making a more formal pitch now to be a hub city for the NHL restart. BC Premier John Horgan saying its top doctor, along with the NHL, agreeing on a proposal that could make Vancouver a hub during the pandemic. Of course, Edmonton and Toronto, the other two Canadian cities of the final 10. We covered this story a couple of weeks ago with uh, with Edmonton. Don Iveson, Premier Kenny, putting forward uh, some letters and some communication with the federal government saying, hey, we want the games here in Edmonton. We can keep everybody safe. Here's how we're going to do it. So this story continues to unfold. The NHL probably still at least a couple of weeks away from picking its hub cities. Edmonton really wants it. Vancouver there as well. And again, the timing with the NHL is, I mean, we're at least a month away from training camp. July 10th was the date that's been thrown around. It's probably going to be more like July 14th or later, and then possibly games late July or early August. I think training camp would probably be a week and a half to two weeks. You'd get the teams into their hub city. Maybe there'd be an exhibition game. Uh, Nuge mentioned that when he was on the show on Friday, and then they would jump into the qualifying round and uh, the round robin for the top four seeds in each conference. So that's the latest with the National Hockey League. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, you can reach out by calling or texting 780-496-0063. Don't forget to check out 630chad.com, globalnews.ca. You can go to the Oilers page on either site. You can find a link that I tweeted out a couple of days ago. We want you to participate in voting for the Edmonton Oilers all-time all-stars. Voting goes until Saturday at midnight. Then you can tune into 6.30 Chet and Global News Hour all next week to see if your favorites made the cut. You can vote for six forwards, four defensemen, two goaltenders, and a coach. I got some updated uh, results earlier today, and there definitely are some, I, I don't mind saying this because I don't think it's a surprise, definitely some runaways. Grant Fewer is running away as the top goaltender, though you are picking two goaltenders, and Glenn Sather cruising to what looks like uh, is going to be an easy decision, easy win as the head coach of the team. Probably no surprise, but uh, something fun there for you to click on and think about and debate with your buddies as we take you through the pandemic. All right, Dave Campbell's coming up tonight at uh, 7.30. We'll talk uh, a little bit of CFL news with Dave and his thoughts on some things going on in the world of sports. Dave's going to be hosting this show next week as I will be off, so you'll be hearing Dave's lovely voice and uh, hearing his genuine personality on the show throughout next week. The uh, CFL season, of course, in a holding pattern. It will not start until September at the earliest. Well, I guess that's not really a holding pattern. I mean, we're not going to have a season in the summer. Shortened season, if they have one at all. We are hoping to get Randy Ambrosi on the show for you before the end of the week, as they're, they're probably going to have to make a decision by the end of the month if you're looking at training camps in August and then rolling into games around Labor Day weekend. Scott Milanovic, the new head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, would have been making his Eskimos coaching debut in a few days, as it would have been almost regular season time. Well, instead, he can't even be in Edmonton. He's in Florida with his family, waiting to begin his tenure as the Eskimos' new head coach. And he says, okay, yeah, we're not playing right now, but still, the coaching staff is working hard. Now we're trying to do breakdowns of each team. Um, you know, we all know what the schedule is going to be. Uh, so we're trying to be prepared for, for 
any of the other eight teams that we may open with or, or play early in the season because obviously with with a shortened season um, that just makes every game more important so we're trying to cover all our bases that way whereas maybe a normal preseason you might look at your first couple of games and and throw together game plans um, for those guys or this year we kind of have to do it all all right so that is a little bit from Scott Milanovic. He talked to Morley Scott. We got the story on our website too. And Milanovic, hopeful there's going to be a shortened season, and he feels like the Eskimos will be a contender if and when they get going. There's a lot to build on. Um, even before I took the job, I, I did some research, and I think we have talented players. Uh, I think we're going to be able to compete. I don't think this is a rebuild. I've said that before. Obviously, I know Trevor and know what he's about and what he can do. So, um, there's some things that, you know, there's some places we need to fill in and, and there's going to be some important spots, um, that are going to be battled in camp, but, um, for where we're at, not having a meeting, not having a practice or, a, or, uh, off season workout, uh, I feel as good as I can about our team. All right. That's Scott Milanovic, the new head coach of your Edmonton Eskimos. The Major League Baseball draft underway tonight. The, the Toronto Blue Jays pretty happy with who they get at number five. Shortstop Austin Martin, the fifth overall pick, played various positions at Vanderbilt, uh, mostly a shortstop, but also played some center field and a uh, pretty versatile player and some scouts calling him the best pure hitter in the draft. Austin Martin, remember that name for the Toronto Blue Jays. Detroit Tigers had the first overall pick. They took slugger Spencer Torkelson out of Arizona State. And Commissioner Rob Manfred, I mean, this has been such a huge impasse with Major League Baseball. We've talked about the, the squabbling this year and the long history of squabbling in Major League Baseball between owners and players. But Commissioner Rob Manfred says there's a 100% chance, 100% chance of big league ball this year. Major League Baseball is going to make another proposal to the players to start the season in empty ballparks. And Manfred says he will unilaterally order opening day if an agreement with the players can't be reached. So that's where we're at in baseball. The players may not, not a, want to work under the circumstances that are being presented to them, but Manfred says he's going to force them to work one way or another. So a story to keep uh, an eye on there. FC Edmonton back uh, training tomorrow, our club in the Canadian Premier League. We'll have more on that story in about 40 minutes or so. Jeff Paulus, who's the head coach of FC Edmonton, will check in on the show. It is 7-12. We're going to call a quick timeout. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Welcome back to Inside Sports, one of the all-time greats in the sport of football and one of the most popular athletes in the history of the city of Edmonton. It is the one and only Warren Moon. Warren, you're on with Reed. Great to talk to you again. How are you doing, sir? I am doing great. Uh, I'm surviving the pandemic like everybody else, trying to stay healthy and trying to keep myself busy and, and keep my 13-year-old busy. Oh, great. Okay. So are you doing some homeschooling or what's the deal there? Well, he actually has uh, school at home on his computer. So he does, uh, I think, two hours of, of classes a day. 
which keeps his brain going. And then the rest of the day, we're trying to either throw passes, shoot baskets, or uh, he's on his video game. So uh, he stays pretty busy. All right. Does he have a sport of choice? Is it football, or is he taking a different path from dad? Well, he's, he's played them all, but he loves football. He loves soccer. But he's uh, starting to angle a little bit more towards football only. So I'm not mad at him about it, but I just want it to be his decision. I, I had no influence because I started him every baseball, basketball, football, uh, and soccer. But uh, he, he's cho- chosen football, and he loves it, and uh, that's great. What, is he a quarterback? No, he's a wide receiver and a running back. So he he uh, carries the ball a lot in this offense that they run. They run the ball most of the time, but he really wants to be a receiver. So that's why we throw so many balls together. You got really good hands, really good athlete. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Warren Moon joining us on Inside Sports. Warren, it's always great to catch up with you. There's been a lot of talk about race over the last couple of weeks, given what happened in the United States and how people are reacting to it. And you know that that played a large part in in your story um you know and especially maybe for we we have a generation of fans who wouldn't have seen you play and seen you play for the Edmonton Eskimos the impact of race on you coming to the Canadian Football League because given your performance in the NCAA uh you know the way I would say it is you, you should have been going to the NFL right away yeah, it was definitely my preference to go to the NFL, just like I think any other kid that grows up and has goals to, to play professional football, they want to play in their own country. And it'd be, it'd be like a Canadian uh, hockey player. If he's growing up, he wants to play you know, hockey in Canada if he can. And, and uh, so it was no different for me. But the NFL, because of discrimination, because of the stereotypes and stigmas against uh, African-American quarterbacks, they weren't going to give me a chance to play quarterback uh, coming out of college. So... The Canadian Football League gave me that opportunity, and that's why I'll always uh, have a special place in my heart for them because they believed in me when my own country didn't. So, yeah, uh, discrimination definitely had a a part in it. Racism had a part in it, and uh, it was a great experience for me, though. I wouldn't trade that experience for the world, but like I said, I didn't know anything about Canada before I went up there. And all I really wanted to do was play in the National Football League. But I'm glad I got a chance to experience both because they were both uh, unbelievable experiences. What kind of things did NFL teams and scouts tell you? I mean, did they, did they, was it ever that blatant that they just said we can't have a black quarterback? Did they try to disguise no, it? No, with- they, they would never, they would never be that, that uh, honest about it. They're going to tell you all the deficiencies they think that you have. I was told I was too short and I, I think everybody knows I was right around 6'3". Uh, I was about 210 pounds when I came up to, to Edmonton, so I wasn't like I was a little guy. Um, they said my arm wasn't strong enough. Uh, that was probably one of my my biggest attributes was the strength of my arm. Um, they said I didn't play in a pro-style offense in college. Well, a lot of guys didn't play in pro-style offenses in college, but they still went on to the NFL and, and made the transition. So they told me everything that uh, they thought I needed to hear to, to discourage me, but I knew none of it was truthful because I knew the competition that was coming out the same year as me in uh, in college, and I knew I was better than a lot of those guys that got drafted. Yeah, that's, I mean, I remember you as having an extremely strong arm, both in Canada and the United States. I mean, wouldn't you, once you got to the NFL, wouldn't have you had one of the strongest arms in the league? Uh, yeah, that was one of my strengths. I mean, that's what I did best. I, I knew how to run around and, and make things happen. But my strength 
was throwing the football. I could throw it in the pocket. I could throw it on the run. And, uh, yeah, that was never, that was never uh, one of my weaknesses. I don't even know what my weakness really was because one of the things that made me a, a really good player is I was very versatile. I could do a lot of different things. And you could put me in any offense, and I could, and I could be okay in that offense. Warren, I'm going to ask you maybe a bit of a tough question, but this was, uh, you know, a little over 40 years ago when you came out of college, came to Canada, and, uh, you know, early 80s, obviously, you, you went to the NFL and, and had a great career there. I know we still have a lot to, to work on, and, and, you know, things have been pretty tense in the United States, and I'm not suggesting Canada's perfect by any means, but that's where a lot of the violence has been. Are, are things better in your mind? Have there at least been steps in the right direction, even though it's not enough? Or how do you look at racism and 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 race in sports these days? Well, you know, things are not better, uh, but I think they're on the way to getting better. I think because people are now starting to listen to one another, I think uh, people understand that they are part of the problem where they always felt like that they weren't. Uh, and they also, this, and I'm talking, you know, whites in general in this country, um, they're going to have to help. They're going to have to help this problem be solved because African Americans can't do it on their own. So as long as they're listening, as long as they're understanding that, that they they are part of the problem, and uh, we 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 have to come up with a lot of different uh, solutions and suggestions on how to fix things. That's uh, that's a big step in the right direction because those things haven't been happening over the last so many years. But it took something like this uh, horrific. Uh, murder of George Floyd in front of everybody, so so vivid, um, so visual, uh, so slow, so agonizing that I think it really caught people's attention. And then you couple all the other other African Americans who have died in the hands of of police that were that were uh, already apprehended, and you wonder how they ended up dead. You know, there's a problem there. So some of those problems are starting to be heard, and there are. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in this country that are protesting. There are people all over the world doing that as well. So it's gotten the attention of not only people in this country, but people all over the world. Yeah. Warren Moon joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Great perspective from Warren. Of course, Warren, a former Edmonton Eskimo, now an analyst uh, with the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, before we let you go, let, let's talk a little bit of football, Warren. It's always great to touch on that with you. Uh, Ricky Ray, who you know, one of another great Eskimo quarterback of the past. I, I had him on a few weeks ago, and he talked about his one season in the National Football League when he went and was a backup with the uh, New York Jets. And he said he went to a uh, you know a, a, a camp to kind of showcase himself for NFL teams, and he said they want to see you can that you can make all the different types of throws. And I said, right. what throws are there in the NFL that aren't in the CFL? And he described, you know, how close the hash marks are together in the NFL, changes the angles. And he said you never would really throw a long, wide side throw in the CFL if a guy's throw making a comeback pattern. Were those sort of some of the adjustments you found when you went from one league to the other? Yeah, because of the size of the field, you know, the windows that you throw the ball into are going to be a little bit wider in Canada. So in the NFL, because the, the, the field is shrunk by about 12, 15 yards, uh, those windows are a lot tighter, and you have to be a lot more accurate with the football. Your timing has to be a little bit better. Your anticipation has to be a little bit better. So you can't uh, – there's less room for error. So, uh, And it, it, the, the type of routes that we run in the NFL compared to Canada are, are the same type of routes, 
but that ball has to be in the air just a little bit more quicker. It has to be a little bit more timing to it. So I, that's what I think he was trying to talk about. Yeah, it was interesting to talk to him, and he never really got an opportunity. There was an injury in training camp, and he thought he might move up the depth chart, and then the Jets went out and signed. I think it was Quincy Carter who'd been with the Cowboys, and then Ricky said, so I was number three again, so he never really thought he was going to get a good chance to prove himself. And he said he'd, he said he'd only get one or two reps in practice, right, because he's a third-string guy, so he, f- he found it hard to even improve. Yeah, he was lucky to get that because a lot of times the, the starter wants to take all the reps, especially when you get into the season, and then the backup gets whatever's left. So if you're the third guy, yeah, you're usually just running the scout team where you're running the other team's plays for the defense. So that's where you get your work. One of the biggest stories, and, and honestly, Warren, if not for the, the pandemic and everything that's happening, this might have been talked about even more than it has been. I mean, Tom Brady changed teams, right? I mean, that's, that's like when Gretzky was, went from Edmonton to L.A. almost. How, how do you look at him deciding to make a change at this point in his career, and does that automatically elevate Tampa how far up in your mind? Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised he left because you you play somewhere for twenty years. You just think you're going to go ahead and ride it out in that one place. But but uh, New England had different ideas, and Tom, I guess, had different ideas as well. He's fortunate to play one place for twenty years. That just doesn't usually happen in sports, in any type of sport, especially team sports. But uh, he's had that great a career, and he still wants to continue to play, and he's still playing kind of you know at a at a high level. So. You you couple that with um, with a with a team that he's going to that has a lot of offensive weapons. Their defense was one of the better defenses in the league over the last seven games of the season. So you bring in a Tom Brady who's not going to turn the football over as much as Jameis Winston did last year, who was their quarterback. Uh, to go along with those weapons, yeah, you you would think this would be a nine ten win team that that possibly has a chance to make it to the playoffs. So. We'll just wait and see how it turns out. Uh, the fact that he can't really get with all of his teammates is is, is a, a negative right now because whenever you're new coming into a place, you want to spend as much time as you can with your teammates and try and develop that chemistry and that camaraderie. But because of the pandemic, he hasn't been able to do that. So that would be one of the big negatives that uh, he's not gonna he's not gonna have as much time in the off season to get to know all of his guys as the teams that already have quarterbacks in place. You cover the Seattle Seahawks. Another good year. Couldn't quite get over the hump against Green Bay in the playoffs. I think they had a couple of drops on a drive late in the game where they where they maybe could have pulled that one out. Uh, it seems to be though with with uh, with Carroll and, and Russell Wilson, they just find a way to keep on churning and being competitive. Yeah, when, whenever you have really good ownership, you have um, a really good general manager and John Snyder who keeps bringing in good young players that they develop. And then you've got a coach like Pete Carroll who the players love playing for and one of the top quarterbacks in the league. You're going to always put yourself in a position to be able to win a lot of football games. And I think it's going to be the same way this year. Um, if they can sign Giovanni and Clowney back as a defensive end to, to keep that pressure on the quarterback, uh, offensively, I think they're going to be good again. And uh, defensively, they had a lot of young players, but I think those guys, because of all the all the uh, experience they got last year, are only going to be that much better. So, yeah, this team will be right back in the thick of things, even though they're playing one of the most, I think, competitive divisions in football. Warren, it's always great to have you on the show. I'm just going to wrap up with a text message I got here from one of your fans who says, great memories of the great Warren Moon throwing ropes down the middle to Tommy Scott. 
and eating his cookies. So there you go. They liked your football <laughs> and they liked your business too. <laughs> yeah, the, the cookies were good. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, I had a chance to talk with Tommy Scott a, a week ago. We did a, uh, a recap of our 81 Great Cup, me, Tommy, Eric Upton, and, and Ed Jones. And it's going to be released by the CFL when they, when they edit it and put it all together. But we had a lot of fun just talking over that game and what we were thinking in certain situations, what we talked about at halftime. It was a lot of fun. So uh, people should look forward to, to seeing that. Warren, it is always a pleasure. I hope we can do this again soon. Thank you so much. Take care. Call me anytime. You know that. Thank you and be safe, okay? Right on. That is one of the best ever to play in this city. Warren Moon, quick time out for the news. Global News at 7.30. Good evening. I'm Evan Cook. It's 22 degrees. Edmonton's Public School Board has approved major staffing cuts for next year after a hole left by a reduction in provincial funding. Board Chair Tricia Estabrooks says they've officially cut 611 positions. Job loss of that number will have real and significant impacts on our classrooms and therefore our students. In the big picture, you know, we're looking at um, the total revenue um, of the budget, I believe is $1.19 billion. About 70% of the job cuts will come in the way of educational assistance. Estabrooks says the province's new funding formula will see EPSB get money for 105,000 students, while enrollment is expected to hit about 107,000. Meanwhile, Education Minister Adriana Lagrange has pitched three possible scenarios for the relaunch of school in September, with the preferred outcome being near-normal operations with kids in the classroom. The other two are either a partial return or reverting back to at-home learning. LaGrange says the province will set the plan in August and not the individual school boards. Looking at it from a regional perspective will only happen if, in fact, we hear from Dr. Hinshaw that we need um, to take a different approach with a different area because of perhaps an outbreak um, and we needed to take a, an active approach in ensuring that the government sets the, uh, the scenarios and then within the, those scenarios, those individual school authorities can decide how those scenarios are enacted. The August decision will be based on the number of active cases and hospitalizations at that time. Checking 6.30 Ched weather for tonight. Some clouds with a low dropping down to 9 degrees. Then mainly sunny tomorrow with a high of 25. Sunshine on Friday with a high of 28. Up to 30 degrees with the sunshine on Saturday. Expect some showers there overnight. Right now in Edmonton, it's 22 degrees. I'm Evan Cook, your next scheduled newscast. great to catch up with Warren Moon and definitely part of his story and he told you coming out of university he was a great at the University of Washington he was not drafted in 12 rounds in the NFL draft he was told he was too small well he's six foot three he was told his arm wasn't strong enough which is complete bunk but he knew it was because of the color of his skin the NFL didn't think he'd be uh, appropriate to play quarterback well he proved a lot of people wrong over the years and uh, and I mean look uh, you have a lot of great quarterbacks great black quarterbacks obviously in the National Football League and I think uh, Warren Moon one of the guys who definitely paved the way in that category and as I've mentioned several times one of the most popular athletes in the history of Edmonton uh, a few years ago I was producing Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, and it was an Eskimos game day in the summer so Dave Campbell was going to pop on the show 
So I would always type up the guest list for Bob and you put the person's title or whatever team they play for or whatever. So I thought I'd have a little fun. So I texted Dave and I said, hey, Dave, you played high school football, right? He goes, yeah, I was a defensive back at Ross Shep. So I put on the lineup, instead of Dave Campbell, 630 Chet Sports or Eskimos Color Analyst, I put Dave Campbell, former defensive back, at Ross Shep High School. Dave, I'm sure you'll remember this because it was <laughs> so Bob in all his stofferness brings you on the show and he says, uh, Dave, you played defensive back at Ross Shep and Dave goes, yeah. And then Bob goes, you know, it's my experience that they put the worst athletes in high school at defensive back. That's that's how he introed you. That's, that's <laughs> like, a skill nice, position, nice Bob. Going. DB's a skilled position. What are you talking about, Bob? That's probably what I should, should have told him. I, I probably just chuckled and uh, said, uh, okay, Bob, uh, ask me another question. That was funny in, in, a, in an odd <laughs> way. Hey, thanks for popping on tonight. And uh, it was you that lined up Warren Moon as our guest in the first half hour, who is, uh, is always interesting to talk to. And, look, he's, he's told that story a lot of times uh, about being uh, being a quarterback, being a black quarterback, and, and not getting the opportunities. And, and it still resonates today. And you heard him say that he's not sure if things have improved racially since then, but he hopes they're taking some steps in, in the right direction. But just a phenomenal a phenomenal career with the Eskimos. No, no, it's just it's tremendous. You know, uh, you know, someone tweeted out last week. I think it was because uh, Morley and I made an appearance on the Eskimo Empire pod this week with with, uh, with Andrew Hoskins, who we've had on the show before. And one of the questions uh, to him, to us, was who is the Mount Rushmore? Like, who are the four uh, former Eskimos, whether they're a coach, oh, a player, wow. a GM? Who are the, who, who's the Mount Rushmore in Eskimos history? And I think Warren Moon is on that list for sure. I think Jackie Parker's on that list. I think Hugh Campbell's on that list. I think Giz is on that list. But I think Warren Moon deserves to be on that list. And I heard you say, oh, boy, because that is a tough, tough task. You could you could almost have a Mount Rushmore for every era of the Eskimos, right? So because it's almost deserving of that. But, you know, Warren Moon was up here for six seasons. Uh, he was... He was tremendous, and it's funny when you said, and you laughed it off too, that, well, he doesn't have the arm strength. My gosh, he could throw on the run 80 yards down the field. It was ridiculous how talented and athletic he was. So, um, you know, we we all knew, and I was a very young lad like you were uh, when he played, but I I saw a lot of the the old games on TV when I was older because you see when you're young, but, you know, I... Uh, you know, you don't really remember. I mean, I remember my first ever game at Commonwealth was the 81 West final um, against the BC Lions. And I was in my glory, but do I remember much of it? Of course not. So you go back and watch old tapes, especially the Grey Cup and Grey Cup games. And man, Warren Moon was just, uh, just a phenomenal athlete. And I think there's only one quarterback I would say that was that I've ever seen that is better than Warren Moon. And that's probably Doug Flutie. But mm-hmm. Warren Moon is right behind him. So it's uh, it's it's tremendous and it's unbelievable that we have a guy like that that played here, who's not only a Canadian Football Hall of Famer but he's a Pro Football Hall of Famer because he was just as good down in the NFL, and unfortunately he just you know he didn't get the breaks. Uh, the Houston Oilers blew a, a big 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 lead in the playoffs against the Buffalo Bills back in I think '93. So. You know, uh, we didn't see that. Maybe we didn't see the best of Warren Moon like we did up here in the CFL and the NFL. But man, what a career! What a career! Just uh, the fact that he's a Hall of Famer in both leagues is impressive. 
Brian says, Reed, it looks like the border isn't going to open on June 21st, that it might not open until the end of July. In your opinion, does that rule out Canada as an NHL hub city host? Uh, no, it doesn't, because I think they could find a way around that. But the quarantine is the hang up there with the NHL. And James says, now this would have been before you and I were co-workers, Dave. From 10 to 15 years ago, I'm glad you have the vice president in charge of tennis for 630 Chet on the show. Was that your <laughs> title at one point? <laughs> yes, because in my younger days on uh, 630 Chet Inside Sports, which was hosted by Sid Smith, our program director, um, and I was the uh, I was uh, in Kellen's spot, the the young lad across the glass who, you know, had uh, you know wanted to aspire to be a, a sports broadcaster wherever I wanted to, you know, wherever this was going to take me. It's taking me to a lot of cool places, including you know still producing this show. Um, I had a feature called Campbell on Tennis. And I would uh, talk about the uh, the Grand Slams, the uh, four Grand Slams. So, I mean, I love tennis. I, I love it today. I don't watch it as much as I did back then. But um, I had a feature, Campbell on Tennis, and it was supposed to be five minutes. Sometimes I, it was eight, and I get the glare from Sid because it took too long. But, you know, when you're a starting on broadcaster, you uh, see how long you get away with and or how much you can get away with. So the next day it would be two, uh, two minutes. So, you know, Sid always won those battles. Uh, so yeah, that's what I did. I was uh, I, I was uh, the, the tennis guru and had uh, a feature called Campbell on Tennis. Oh, nice. Okay, I don't even remember yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, CFL wise, and we and we were hoping to have Randy Ambrosi on the show before the end of the week. But what's going on with the salary cap, or perhaps I should say now lack thereof in the CFL? What's happening? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's really no cap right now. There's no limits on rosters. Um, I think the only limitation is uh, you can't go over 100 players. So, but that I mean, this is old info. This is six weeks ago when Brock Sunderland mentioned that after the uh, CFL draft on April 30th. He said, right now we can be at 100. So if we, you sign a player and you're at 100, you got 101, you can cut a player. So you know, right now teams haven't really done much as far as signing and releasing goes. Uh, the Eskimos signed a. A running back last week in uh, out of the states, and they put a running back on the retired list. So you know, and we haven't really heard of both. So um, teams are just you know kind of in status or just so, in limbo right now. But, but are the Argos going to be are the Argos going to be punished for going over in 2019? And if there are yeah. any other teams we nope. find out about? No, nope. uh, no. Apparently, the Argos are the only team that violated the cap. Um, and Randy Ambrosi said today in a release that they will not be fined because of the pandemic because he doesn't want to put in an extra burden on teams. So they must have, I don't know how much they went over by. It must have been perhaps, well, I don't know. I mean, if you stay under 100000 it just costs you the money. If you go over 100000 then it's uh, money in the draft pick, one draft pick. And then if you're over two hundred grand, it's, you know, that, that money in, in two draft picks. So, but... You know, today Randy Ambrosi said we're going to lift that. We're not going to we're not going to find the Argos, which I kind of disagree with. Uh, so the Argos get away scot free, and they had a lot of big contracts on their on their team with uh, Darrell Walker, with James Franklin, and I mean they went they went nuts in free agency last year. And you remember who the GM was to start? It was Jim Pop before he was replaced by uh, Michael Pinball Clemens. But the Argos violated the cap. But uh, don't worry about it. We're just you know. Go about your business. Uh, before I let you go, Dave, what's your gut here on even having a season? And I would assume we got to know within three or four weeks. Yeah, I, I would think so. And 
what, what concerns me right now, yes, the border concerns me a bit. The quarantine concerns me a bit. But you're right. The, the border can be dealt with, I think. The quarantine is, is a big issue. And the league is still, I think, internally trying to figure out what their game plan is going to be so they can present something to the players. There's a lot to talk about here. I mean, you, you need a COVID CBA right now. You need to basically have temporary contracts for a half season because we've never been in a situation before with the CFL um, where they're going to have to play, you know, eight to ten games. But they have to get to the table right now. And I think the players, there's a willingness to play. They want to play. They want to try and get a season in. There's enough players to play. But until the CFL can figure out on their end what's the plan and can they agree on as well, do they even want to play? Right? So I, and I think there's a couple of owners that are kind of holding things up a little bit here and humming on whether they want to play or not. So until they get their act together and until they decide on a plan and to be united and say, okay, let's present this to the players, I mean, this is going to hold up the process and they're going to run out of time. So they got to figure out things from the CFL level first before they can bring the players in. And the players are ready and willing to talk and bargain and do whatever is is needed from a health and safety standpoint, uh, from a you know modified CBA, work with, uh, work with a number of uh, provisions that they're going to have to work with, but the CFL has to come to the table with a plan, and they haven't done that yet, and they're running out of time. All right. Dave, thanks for checking in, man. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a great All day. All right. See you, buddy. That is Dave Campbell, the producer of this show, our color analyst for Edmonton Eskimos broadcast on 630 Chet whenever we have them again. Quick timeout, Inside Sports on Chet. There's Connor McDavid, Masterson Trophy nominee for your Edmonton Oilers. Every team putting a uh, name forward will picked on, uh, picked by the Professional Hockey Writers Association in its city. Former Oiler and friend of Inside Sports, Mark Latestu, is the nominee for the Winnipeg Jets. Okay, we're uh, slowly coming back, and we're hoping to play some games in a lot of different sports, including the Canadian Premier League. And I'm pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports the head coach of FC Edmonton, Jeff Paulus. Jeff, good to have you on the show again. How has life been? I hope everybody's been safe and healthy in your world. Yeah, it has been. We've been, um, obviously, Mrs. and I are doing our best to, you know, social distance as as the team. So, yeah, I mean, so good, uh, all good so far. All right, I'll I'll let you kind of give the nuts and bolts here because you'll do it better than I could. Tell us what FC Edmonton is now permitted to do. Yeah, we just received permission today to start training uh, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning. So, you know, we're allowed to have, um, based on municipal guidelines at the moment and then what's come out from the league, we, we can have four players on the field at one time. So each gets their own quarter. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, and we'll rotate players through. So, you know, we'll be on the pitch tomorrow for about six hours uh, as players come in four at a time. And, um, you know, it's a start. It's uh if it's the best we can do for now, then I think just even for the mental well-being of athletes, it's, it's probably a good thing. So, yeah, we'll, well, I guess we'll progress slowly. So what kind of stuff can you work on? I mean, soccer is a, a complex 11-man mm-hmm. unit trying to work together. What, what can you work on with just four guys on the pitch at a time? Yeah, you know, you're really just, you're really just trying to work on those uh, individual technical skills. You know, I laugh now because, you know, in, in my past, I've turned down so many opportunities to work 
you know, with just um, where people have asked me to come and work with their child, just me and their child, you know, running a session. And I've never enjoyed working with just one player. So, so here I am, and it's mandated now that I'm going to have to do this. But, yeah, it, it's just individual technique. You know, that's all you can do. And, and uh, you just try to get them touches on the ball, get some of that rushed out. But, um, honestly, there, there's not a ton you can do as far as how you want to play the game. You know, I mean, when you're going from 11 players working together on the pitch to, to one in a quarter of it, you know, it's you're not going to replicate what you want to do on game day. But, um, you know, if anything else, I, I think it's it's more so just to, um, you know, just to maybe change the mindset of our players who have been kind of cooped up for a long time. And, you know, as any professional athlete in any sport, they want to play. And they want to get out there and imply their trade, and they don't have to do that. So so I think just mentally it's probably the, the biggest benefit we'll get over this next week or so. All right. Tell me a little bit about the status of the league and the season. There was a team added this year, which is pretty good to get you up to eight. But uh, I mean, I think it was, I think we're up to three months now when the season was going to start. I, there's been some talk of having some sort of a, a, a tournament to let people know where the, the CPL is at right now. Yeah. So, I mean, quite honestly, uh, I've been getting most of my information off the internet, you know, off of uh, Dwayne Rollins, who is our, you know, a soccer reporter out of, out of Toronto. He seems to, to break all the news to me, but you know, the, the latest I'm hearing is that um, the league wants to put us into, you know, one of two locations, either uh, uh, Langford, which is on, on the island, of course, or, or Charlottetown. And, um, you know, and all eight teams will go there and, and, and possibly play a tournament of some sort. So, yeah, I mean, I know as much as the uh, as much as any of the fans do that, that follow our game because we all, I, I think, read the same uh, Twitter rumors. But, um, you know, this is what the league is looking to do at the moment, I understand. And, and if that's the case, great. You know, uh, I still don't really have a lot of detail what that would look like. Um, you know, I mean, for me, I'm just everything goes goes back to you know, will they guarantee how how do they guarantee the safety of our players and of my staff? And I think that's the most important thing. And when we do go back to play, that's still the most important thing on my mind is 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 that uh, player and staff safety. You know, we're still in an environment where where this virus is real. You know, and and I want to make sure that not just that not just players and staff, but all those else have to attend the games and and be there to help us out and people at hotels. So there's there's a lot of things you know at stake here certainly, and um, but I understand they're they're taking all those precautions. So yeah, we'll see. Look, Jeff, I hate to ask you this one, but but I think I have to. And unfortunately, I've been asking this of a lot of coaches and athletes, unless you're in one of the big four North American sports. I mean, it's going to be tough for the CPL, the CFL, the AJHL, the WHL. You can go down the list. What's your mindset about uh, the, the future of the league if, if you lose all or most of a season? Yeah, my understanding of, of the CPL is, um, I mean, they've got some... You know, there are some very, um, very big hitters that own a few of these these teams in the CPL. There's some very strong financial backing um, uh, that that behind the league, behind certainly some individual teams within the league, uh, certainly behind the start of the league in general. There, there's you know pretty serious financial backing, and and even with the new team Ottawa coming in, they're owned by Atletico Madrid. Um, so another you know on, on the grand you know on the big scale of football worldwide, they're one of the, the top ten clubs, of course. So. Um, so my, my my real belief, you know, is that this league would survive not playing this year. You know, I think that uh, there's been steps taken to to protect the ownership a little bit uh, and go forward. There's um, obviously an, a grow an interest worldwide for for our sport, um, and certainly our country has shown itself definitely on the women's side of the game that there's a, there's real backing for the game here. So 
I, I do think we came out of it. You know, I have to say, at the end of the day, I do think our league would survive it. We're not in the same situation. You know, we've got a salary cap. Um, that helps, you know, so the, there, there's a limit to what we can spend. Certainly no revenue coming in this year, but the expenses have been cut down, you know, with uh, some of the reductions we've taken as staff and what the players have taken uh, to try and help the, you know, the, the league out. Um, yeah, I, I just have to believe that uh, that we would actually, you know, be ready to play in 2021, you know, and, and with all eight teams that are currently here now. And, and they're still talking to new teams to come into the league, even during this pandemic, my understanding is so... I think our future is bright in the CPL. Jeff, I'm glad to hear you say that and enjoy training tomorrow. I know it's going to look a little different, but I'm glad you and your players are going to be on the pitch. Thanks for checking in on Inside Sports tonight. Please keep in touch. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. All the best. Right on. That is Jeff Paulus, the head coach of FC Edmonton. So a little bit of progress for them as well, and hopefully they get some sort of uh, a season in. Man, so much uncertainty. We're uh, we're getting there. Of course, phase two of Alberta's reopening plan will start on Friday. How do you feel about it? You can tell Chelsea and Shea on 6.30 Ched mornings. That'll start at 5.30 a.m. Kellen, quickly, what's your Castro Raceway update? Yeah, it uh, sounds like that uh, they're going to be opening up for competitors here this weekend. Uh, they got street legals happening on Friday night and a test in tune for drag race competitors on Saturday. Now, it's only competitors only at this point that are being allowed onto the facility. But, hey, it's uh, the door is opening a little bit, Reed. Sorry, that's this weekend already? That's this Friday and Saturday? This Friday, yep. Okay, all right, good stuff. That is Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. We're back tomorrow. Kelly Rudy and Chris Cuthbert scheduled to join us on Inside Sports. My name is Reed. Have a great evening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.